back to another Cardinals off day podcast. The Cardinals are off, the trade deadline approaches, and uh, Ben and I are here to talk with you about the the latest uh, rumors and the the one deal that's happened so far. Uh, ben, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing really well. I was a little uh, bummed out to see that Bill Russell has passed away, um, but. Uh, helping take some of the sadness away from me is the Cardinals wrapping up a series victory in our nation's capital over the lowly Nationals. So uh, good job for the Cardinals uh, and especially Paul DeYoung. Uh, it made me happy to see him hit a couple homers in the series since getting uh, recalled back to the majors. And I hope he's figured things out and has a good remainder of the season. Uh, absolutely agree, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more on uh, on Paul DeYoung here uh, coming up. Um, and just so folks at home, we're gonna we're gonna pull the curtain back and let you guys know. You know, often we been record these uh, a day or two in advance. Um, there's a, of course an extensive post production process that happens at Cardinals Off Day headquarters. Uh, and today we kind of waited until the the night before the podcast is going to drop because with the trade deadline, we know things could happen. So uh, hopefully nothing happens late tonight after we're done recording. Um, but uh, we're going to be a little more informal today than we often are and just kind of talk about what's happened so far. Uh, we do plan to uh, drop a special episode um, around uh, the time of the actual trade deadline. Or we even we might try to go live too, Ben. We haven't we haven't really discussed we ha- we haven't quite determined that, but we we've kicked that around. Yes, anyway. we have. Uh, we'll be doing a a special something or another uh, for the 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 yes. aftermath <laughs> of the trade deadline, uh, and we wish. I think special something or other is about uh, as official as we yes. can be at this point. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I also wanted to say our our last off day was just a handful of days ago, and you know we covered some of the Cardinals' prospects and some of their potential targets. Um, and I think you know that that episode has aged pretty well, even as things have developed here uh, in the days before we record this episode on Sunday night around nine o'clock Central Time. So you know if the Cardinals trade for Juan Soto at eleven p.m. tonight. Uh, you don't need to listen to this. No, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll cover a lot more than just Juan Soto. So uh, thank you for listening. Well, but that's a, and that's a good point, Ben, because I think that is still a pretty fresh episode if people haven't listened to it. We talked through a lot of the guys that the Cardinals might be pursuing. We talked about many of their potential kind of trade ships. So if you haven't listened to that one, there, there will be some good stuff there to go back and listen to. Um, but I think, Ben, we did want to draw, kind of jump right in with the one actual move the Cardinals have made. Uh, yesterday, um, the Phillies and the Cardinals uh, announced a trade with Edmondo Sosa going to the Phillies for uh, left-hander Jojo Romero, who's a relief pitcher on their 40-man roster, but currently in the minor leagues. Uh, ben, what what did you think about that particular move? Uh, the more Paul DeYoung hit, the more inevitable it felt. Um, if if DeYoung had gone down to AAA, and you know he was hitting a buck twenty with no power, I I think that they uh-huh. they have to keep Sosa as insurance in case, uh, you know they they have an injury to Edmund or uh, Donovan. Um, you know, so they have someone who is a very good glove man who can fill in as need be. Um, and so with the young performing, it felt like it was about time for them to give him another look. And 
who do they get rid of to make yeah. that happen? It's Edmundo Sosa. And, you know, like I, I've never really been, I, I, I think he was who he was in spring training entering the 2021 season. And I think he's about that same guy now. And, uh, he's he's a perfectly fine bench infielder, and he's a very good defender. And I I think the Phillies probably like that characteristic with how poor they are on defense. So uh, I I wish Sosa the best, um, but I can't say I'm terribly surprised that he is no longer a St. Louis Cardinal. No, absolutely not. And you know, Ben, I think uh, it's important to remember that, frankly. Paul DeYoung has always been ahead of Edmondo Sosa on the depth chart. Um, you know, Paul DeYoung was uh, the starter until they they sent him down. And they sent him down because they have a significant investment in Paul DeYoung. And frankly, Paul DeYoung has a track record of being a pretty valuable player. I mean, he'd, he'd gotten to be, you know, about, uh, you know, a year and a half to, or so removed from when he had really, you know, been a valuable player because his, his hitting had fallen off so sharply. But um, I don't think at any point the club actually thought Edmondo Sosa was a more valuable player than Paul DeYoung. They sent DeYoung down to get that time in AAA. And we talked about this at the time, kind of, well, what would come of Paul DeYoung? And, and we certainly thought a trade of DeYoung, kind of a change of scenery trade, was very likely. But I know we talked even back then about the fact that, you know, if DeYoung hits and if there's not really a, a kind of change of scenery tra- trade that makes sense, you just figured at some point DeYoung was going to take Sosa's job because Paul DeYoung is a better player than Edmondo Sosa. And I don't really, I can't see any argument <laughs> otherwise. No, he was. And I think you can really see that with, you know, Sosa hit his way into the role uh, last season. And I don't think you would find a member of a major league front office who thought that the Sosa we saw at the plate last year would be the Sosa we saw at the plate this year. And, and so I, you know, they, they had decent production out of shortstop last year. Um, but there was very little reason to believe that, that, uh, Sosa would be able to deliver in the way that he did last year at the plate. And he hasn't, but I don't, think he's probably as bad at the plate as he's looked this year and I I thought it was very telling Ben what the Cardinals think of Sosa when they sent the young down and Marmol was like hey we're gonna this is Sosa's opportunity to earn the job and then he got like two starts and then Donovan started like three games in a row or something like that Oh, exactly. And, and and both of which were just killing time until, you know, Edmund had enough kind of, uh, you know, out of the camera's eye uh, opportunity to get polished up well enough on shortstop to move back in, which clearly was what they were planning all along. Yeah. yeah. So um, and if, if the yeah, second baseman yeah. is bumping, if if the primary second baseman who is should probably only be a utility guy himself is bumping you out of a starting job in the middle infield, uh you know, you're, you're pretty low on the depth chart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it it also tells you, you know, what the league thinks of Edmondo Sosa, that the, the best offer they could get for him is 
uh, a guy who's on a 40 man, but uh, you know, in the minor leagues uh, and a relief pitcher at that, <laughs> you know, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty low on your, uh, your, your value proposition there. So, um, you know, which, you know, but, but those, those guys are still valuable to have in your organization just as a kind of high level organizational depth piece like Edmondo Sosa can be valuable. And so the Cardinals and the Phillies just sort of, you know, changed some of those, low value assets, but assets nonetheless. And I think both got something that fit their, their need a little bit more. Um, and, and so of course this coincided with Paul DeYoung rejoining the, the major league team. Um, and now he has started the, the two games since he's been back, uh, both at shortstop and homered in both of them <laughs> incidentally. Um, ben, where do you, where do you see this going from here? Well, you know, I remember, I think it was like what two or three weeks after the demotion when the young had heated up a little bit and the St. Louis mm-hmm. media dutifully asked John Mosellock about it. And John Mosellock responded and, and said that the young had been Wally pipped in a way. And he said that because, you know, at the time everyone was, you know, sharing how Tommy Edmond was leading Major League Baseball in Arwar. And uh, Nolan Gorman had come up and was hitting really well. Um, and that has changed uh, because Tommy Edmond has been absolutely atrocious in July, um, like a black hole. And I think folks who have who are longtime listeners know this did not come as much of a surprise to us um and i don't think it necessarily surprised the team all that much either and it now seems like they're giving de young uh an opportunity to perhaps win his job back uh here down the home stretch which is really what they wanted all along and uh and it will be really interesting to see how they divvy up playing time between shortstop and second base here in the season's final months. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, and especially because, uh, you know, Edmund and, and, and now DeYoung, I think has only played shortstop even back when he was in AAA, but um, of course he played uh, second base in the minors previously. And he did play second base when he first came up with the Cardinals as well. So I do wonder, um, you know, would they potentially use him there a little bit? Although there's not really much use to put him there when you've got uh, Gorman and Edmund and Donovan all as options at second base. But um, but I agree, it's going to be really interesting to see how the playing time shakes out amongst um, each of those guys. I certainly don't expect, I, I don't expect that any of them are going to become, you know, the starter in all capital letters at one of those positions. I think we're going to see uh, a pretty good amount of, of fluidity. And I think each of those guys will, will probably get, you know, significant, um, you know, plate appearances as long as they're, you know, they're being productive. And, uh, you know, Edmund um, has, as you mentioned, has not been productive. So I think, you know, at the moment, you'd almost have to say he's the one that seems like his uh, playing time might be in the, in, potentially in the most jeopardy. Yeah, it really depends, and and we'll touch on this uh, later on the episode, but as we discussed uh, on our last episode and, and was reported by Jeff Jones uh, that the Cardinals have tried to uh, include Nolan Gorman 
uh, in a trade package for Juan Soto uh, so that they will not lose both Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn. And um, so there's also a part of me that wonders if they think that Nolan Gorman may not be a Cardinal on Wednesday, are they now looking at the middle infield that they started the season with? And, you know, with Donovan spelling each of them, you know, there's plenty of playing time to go around. If you have two guys uh, who struggle against tough right-handed pitching and your third option is a lefty who takes really good plate appearances. And so when you, when you look at that, I think that the Cardinals can certainly find Donovan, you know, a lot of plate appearances spelling either DeYoung or Edmund and whoever uh, of those two is, is in can play shortstop who's in the lineup can play shortstop. And so, uh, you know, that, that to me, it feels like the, you know, there's been this huge kind of, uh, reshuffling of the middle infield midseason, and now it seems like they could reshuffle again and just be close to where they started. Yeah, wouldn't that wouldn't that be interesting? And 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 I agree. And it was it was just interesting to wonder from the the moment that we learned that Paul DeYoung was joining that taxi squad going to Washington. It was pretty clear that he was going to be rejoining the club this weekend. And then, of course, I think I think Katie Wu maybe had it first that, yes, that was officially what was going to happen. But, yeah, I really wondered. Uh, we, we had heard talk that the, an Edmondo Sosa trade might happen, and that was sort of the easiest way to see that happen. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly wondered, you know, would one of these bigger deals, be it a Soto deal, be it a Montas deal or something happen that could see Nolan Gorman leave the team and and potentially, you know, that, that open up a spot for him. Um, as well. So yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see going forward. One just small thing I want to say, and, and I'm, look, I'm a, I'm a Paul DeYoung stan, Ben. I think you probably know this about me, <laughs> but one thing I've seen just on Twitter since he got brought up too, is people talking about like the like team, like taking like a big defensive step back by putting Paul DeYoung at shortstop. Paul DeYoung's a very good defensive shortstop and Tommy Edmond is too, but um, you know, I don't think there, there's really a significant def- um, difference there in terms of value defensively. They look a little little bit different. You know, Edmund has has more range, um, DeYoung, uh, stronger throwing arm, and, and probably just maybe a, a little more consistent with the hands. But, um, you know, really, it's pretty much a wash there. So I don't anyway, I just I, I've seen I've seen some folks saying I don't know if it's a short memory or what. But, <laughs> you know, Paul DeYoung is a pretty good defensive shortstop, though he does not have the body type that, that screams that. Yeah. And he doesn't have the style of play. You know, Edmund, uh, is pretty smooth out there. He's fast and he covers yes. ground, um, oftentimes running yes. to his left, uh, and he keeps running and it looks like he's trying harder and, and making all these phenomenal plays. And, uh, he has made a lot of phenomenal plays this year. Um, yeah, it, it's just it, you're right. He just, it's it's a flat. It's more of a high. It's more of a highlight reel generating style, and, and we see this in other positions too. Those guys, you know, we kind of take notice. But what what I always say with Paul DeYoung is like, how many in your mind picture Paul DeYoung like muffing a ground ball or or you know messing up a turn at second base? He just really it really doesn't happen. I mean, he's just absolutely rock solid at everything that he can get. To. Yes, and that's something that um, you know he when he made a really large improvement from 
when he came up uh, in 2017, and then it was 2019. You know, one of the one of the things that the analysis of his performance on defense showed was that he makes all of the plays that he should make. And, uh, and some of the ones that are more difficult. And the fact of the matter is if you make all of the plays in particular in this era where they have so much data on the hitters and they put you in a position to make those plays. Right. So, um, so with that positioning advantage, if you can field the ball, if you're within, you know, I don't know, five, six step, steps, let's say one way or the other, and make that play with a high, even for a major leaguer, a very high success rate, you're going to be a very good infielder and a very valuable one. And, you know, that seems to be uh, the route that Paul DeYoung has taken. And, you know, he doesn't have, he's not as fleet of foot or as quick as Tommy Edmonds. So that's the way he's going to have to play if he's going to be successful. And to his credit, uh, he has developed into a quality shortstop using that method. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so we'll see. And obviously, you know, his, his first two games back, you know, he's hit a couple home runs. So, you know, that's of course very exciting. Um, I don't think he'll probably homer in every single game going forward, Ben, although if he does, I think that's a real, that's a real upgrade for the team. <laughs> um, so we'll just have to see. I mean, with, with Paul DeYoung, it, it's not his defense, it's his offense. And that's where he just really fell off a cliff the last couple of years, kind of got lost. Um, but you know, again, he's, he's, he's still a relatively young player. He's on a, uh, you know, a, a, a contract, uh, you know, the, the team signed him to a long-term contract. So of course they were going to give him a chance. And if he can continue to hit, I think we'll continue to see him. Now, if, if he falls off again, um, I think he'll, he'll recede into the background. Um, and, and luckily, you know, with Tommy Edmond, with, you know, what they can do with, with Donovan and Gorman, of course, at second base, et cetera, the, the team has options. So I, I think they will be fine there, but they're certainly better with uh, Paul DeYoung hitting like a vintage Paul DeYoung. Yeah, it, it, and uh, um, hopefully we do because you know he's clearly been he he was clearly struggling he was clearly not in a good place mentally and it it just to me at least it felt good just for me to see him hit a couple home runs I can't imagine how it felt for him and so I'm really yeah. hoping uh, that the bounce back is real and sustained. Uh, and yeah. ju- not just for the Cardinals, but also uh, for him, because unlike a lot of people on Twitter, I, I don't want his head on a stick. I, I just want him to have some success on the baseball field. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So um, moving on. And again, um, it's not just the Cardinals really league wide. We haven't seen the the trade, uh, you know, the flood of trades. Um, you know, that we might, you know, here, you know, less than two days before the deadline, um, you know, I think, I think we'd expect to have it start a little bit more. But one data point we definitely wanted to talk about was the Luis Castillo trade to the Mariners, you know, Castillo, you know, probably one of with, you know, Montas, um, although potentially with some of these other guys who may or may not be available, um, you know, who knows, but, but, you know, right at the top, basically at or near the top of the pitchers that were available. So, uh, Luis Castillo was traded to the Seattle Mariners for um, for fairly uh, highly thought of prospects, and uh, you know generally this was 
you know, kind of considered a surprising haul and definitely sort of reinforced the idea that this was a seller's market out there. And that if you're going to go out and get some of the better pitching that's available, um, you know, you, you're not going to be throwing in your kind of afterthought organizational depth or lottery ticket type guys. You're, you're going to be dealing, um, you know, some of those top 100 type type players. Um, so Ben, what, uh, I guess I kind of framed a, a little bit there. I think a little bit of that's fact, a little bit of that's my conjecture. What, what did you think, uh, after seeing that Luis Castillo trade? Um, I thought the Reds did really well. Um, and, and it's, it's headlined by Marte, who's, you know, a top 10 ish pick, depending on who you read. Um, or excuse me, pick, mm-hmm. I said pick, I meant prospect, a top 10 ish in all of major yeah. league baseball prospect. So that's the kind of the centerpiece of the deal, but they also, you know, they got uh, stout who probably starts in the rotation next year for Cincy. And, you know, then they, they got uh, more who's probably a reliever um, and probably contributes in the majors here in the not too distant future. Um, and then they also have, uh, a, uh, a low, a shortstop that some, most of the talent evaluators don't think sticks at shortstop, but still has a lot of potential. And so, um, you know, he, he might be, I guess, maybe more of the lottery ticket add in where the, the upside, you know, you, you could see him be a, a high quality major leaguer, um, or, you know, maybe he's a utility infielder, you know, when it's all said and done. Um, but, you know, that package, when I saw that, you know, my immediate reaction, Ben, was uh, the St. Louis Cardinals will not be trading for Frankie Montas. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because, you know, Montas, you figure, is is essentially, uh, you know, probably about the same value and uh, yeah, and, and, and Ben, in fact, we've heard uh, reporting uh, on that um, saying that, uh, and I think it was Ken Rosenthal who specifically reported that the, the A's are talking to the Cardinals about Montas and that basically a lot of the same players who are part of a potential Soto deal are part of a Montas deal. So, you know, I think we have to assume, you know, we're talking about names like Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn and Nolan Gorman and, uh, you know, uh, on and on. So, um, and so Ben, to you, those, is it, is it those names specifically that you feel like those names maybe wouldn't be the names the Cardinals would, would part with in a, in a deal for Frankie Montas? Yeah. To me, the one year and two months of control for this type of package um, which I am not in any way saying that the, the Cardinals were in on Castillo or could have offered this deal. And there's always the caveat that different orgs view different players uh, in different ways. And so uh, different front offices will be higher on different prospects than other front offices. And so, you know, it's not like money where it's, oh, this player cost... 35 million so this player should cost 27 right like it's it's not quite so clean with trades but when i saw this package um i it made me think that the cardinals which you know they've been reportedly 
you know, making inquiries at this level of pitching. Um, but it, it made me think that the Cardinals will be in the three or four starter market and probably going more for a rental, uh, was really what I thought. And and the other reason for that with Montas is, and we talked about this on the last episode, he had that shoulder issue. You know, I wouldn't want to get into a bidding war for a starting pitcher, no matter how how good his stuff was, if within the last like six weeks, I think it's been, he had to miss a start because of a shoulder issue and his velocity was down. Yeah, And so... Yeah, You know, the Castillo package was very good for the Reds, and I think the A's will get a, a, a pretty good haul for Montas. I would just be very surprised if the St. Louis Cardinals are the ones sending the pack, the prospects to Oakland for Montas. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and I'm sure whatever's being talked about for Montas is not as big a package as whatever's being talked about for Soto, but you know, once you're including some of those same names there, yeah, all those reasons that, that you said, it's it's only the rest of the season and, and, and a year of control on Montas. Uh, you know, it's uh, he he's he's coming off a shoulder injury, and frankly, he's a pitcher, so he will probably be injured at some point in that deal. Um, it just doesn't compare to uh, the value that you would expect to get back if you made a deal for Soto. So I'm with you on that. Um, so let's talk about some of those other pitchers who, and again, we touched on a lot of potential trade targets the last episode. We're not going to touch on everybody, but some of the ones that there's been specific reporting about, about there being some interest, um, Derek Gould, um, two names he mentioned, uh, Jake Odorizzi and, uh, and, uh, Nate Ivaldi, um, Odorizzi with the Astros and Ivaldi with the Red Sox. Uh, Ben, what do you think about those, those two names potentially being, uh, trade targets for the Cardinals? Um, I, I have thought that Odorizzi has made a lot of sense for the Cardinals, uh, for a while now. Um, and it, it's just his, his profile, I think fits Bush stadium well. And, uh, even though he is not a ground ball pitcher it, in a way that's even to my mind supports it all the more because Bush stadium tends to suppress power hitting a little bit. Um, and he tends to be more of a fly ball pitcher, uh, and he's not a, a high strikeout guy. Now, Harrison Bader is injured, of course, but, uh, you know, with that outfield, that primary outfield that the Cardinals have when it's Bader, O'Neill, and Carlson, at least for now, who knows what it'll be like, uh, on Wednesday. Um, but him pitching in front of that outfield to me, really allow would allow him to play up um now he he is not he's he's only made 11 starts this year he's only at uh 53 innings pitched um but he has been you know pretty solid uh in those innings for houston and then he's also you know he's the uh the kid from Illinois and, and Mizzou connection. And so that's a nice tie in as well. Uh, and I'm of course uh, a sucker for that type of thing, which is one of the reasons I always wanted Max Scherzer to come back for, to the St. Louis Cardinals, aside from the fact that he's a good pitcher. And so uh, I also think that this makes sense as a target for the Cardinals because the Astros are dealing from a surplus of pitching 
they're not going to be talking to a team like the New York Yankees, who the Oakland A's are almost certainly talking about with respect to Frankie Montas. You know, the Astros are probably also not talking about uh, Odorizzi with other American League contenders because it seems unlikely they're going to deal from their surplus of starting pitching and give it to a competitor come October. Um, and so you probably have a more limited market. And given how long Odorizzi is under contract, he's probably uh quite a bit cheaper than a Frankie Montas. And so this feels more in the comfort zone of the St. Louis Cardinals front office uh, from years past. And it's the type of play that, that has potential for upside that I think the team also likes. And so for all those reasons, I, I, this does not surprise me. And I think it makes sense on a lot of levels. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And I definitely think Odorizzi sounds like the more likely of those two targets. And and I think, you know, the reporting suggests maybe that there's that, you know, those talks have been more aggressive. So, yeah, he's definitely a name I would expect to see them go after. I think it does have shades of the sort of uh, Lester and Hap acquisitions from last year, except you do have another year of control with Odorizzi as well. Um, and, and, he you know, he is younger and a better pitcher than them, too. So, you know, it's it's kind of an, an upgraded um you know, version of, of those trades, if nothing else. Um, ben, the, the one other name that kind of came up today, uh, Tyler Molle of the Reds, and I believe it was John Morosi who suggested that the Cardinals were, were in on him. Um, you know, and that was a name that, I, you know, along with Castillo had kind of been floating out there. And one of the big things, of course, with him is just the trading within the division. And actually, uh, John Mozeliak was on uh, the broadcast on the TV broadcast today and, and Danny Mac kind of put that directly to him. And, uh, you know, uh, Mo didn't really, uh, dispute the, the fact that they haven't really done that, you know, and of course he's not going to say, well, we wouldn't do that or we couldn't do that, but you know, he, he allowed that. Yeah. You know, we don't really, and he said kind of, especially when we would be sending, you know, prospects, you know, basically we don't want to see those guys uh, all the time. So what do you think of Male? Do you think the, the, in the division thing um, is a factor there? What do you think? Um, I, you know, I think he's a good pitcher. He's got some swing and miss stuff. Um, but I just, I don't think that John Mosellock, uh, you know, wants to have like a player develop and become very good and, play them all the time, um, which they're going away from the unbound schedule, but competing against those players for a division title just doesn't appeal to them. And I can understand that. Um, and I, it, it makes me wonder, you know, I, I think in that uh, tweet, they cited the Dimitri Young trade from, um, what was that, 1997 for Jeff Brantley? <laughs> And uh, it made me think of the uh, the Bernie Miklas post uh, from uh, late last week where he said that Bill DeWitt is more involved in personnel decisions than any owner in baseball. And it just made me think that Bill DeWitt was in on this Jeff Brantley for Dimitri Young trade, you know, how 15 years ago. And it turned out badly and it gave a division rival, you know, a, a good player who they then had to play against all the time. And now I just imagine Bill DeWitt's like, no, 
we're not trading inside the division. <laughs> like we're not going to have that happen again. And it just kind of made me chuckle. And so I, I would be very surprised if the Cardinals, and, and we've talked about this in past episodes, I would be very surprised if the Cardinals give up the type of prospects it would take to get uh, a pitcher like him uh, from a team who is in the central division. You know, Ben, all of those guys that we've been talking about here, the one commonality that I really notice is uh, there's they're almost all guys who have an additional year of club control uh, beyond this year. And so I would say my expectation is that um, that's the kind of guy who they, they're, they're going to acquire. Could be one of these guys we talked about here right now, you know, could be somebody else. Um, but I don't think it'll be at the top end of that. And we've already seen, you know, not Luis Castillo, I think probably not Frankie Montas. So whether that's an Odorizzi or a Male or one of these others, um, that's kind of the general vicinity that I'm, I'm sensing they're probably going to be shopping in. Uh, unless potentially, you know, they, they don't make a deal for Juan Soto, in which case maybe they do look to go a little bigger. And particularly if somebody like uh, a Pablo Lopez or, you know, just a, a somewhat better starting pitcher is available as an option. So, so Ben, just as kind of a segue there, what, you know, what do you think about uh, the likelihood of a Soto deal and how that might impact what they do for, for pitching? Because a Soto deal might happen or it might not happen, but a, a pitching deal is going to happen. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yes. I, I think they will, they will add a starting pitcher and it would not surprise me if, if they also add a reliever. Um, but here's the thing is, you know, they, they are in on Juan Soto um, by pretty much every uh, source that is reporting uh, on the nature of these talks. The Cardinals are in these discussions and they are in the thick of them. You know, they're not, you know, kind of out on the periphery. They are making aggressive offers uh, or at least uh, floating names that you might be surprised that they would be willing to give up given the way that they have structured their player development and everything. And so uh, it, it really seems to me that they are angling for Juan Soto. And so it's been very interesting to see the tone change, at least among the national reporters with respect to whether or not Juan Soto will be traded by uh, the trade deadline in this season. And I feel like, you know, uh, in the middle of last week, it was being talked about like this is a certainty. The Nationals are going to trade him by the trade deadline. And now, uh, you know, Ken Rosenthal even said it in the podcast he recorded over the weekend that he has become less bullish on the likelihood of a Juan Soto trade. And he, uh, you know, indicated he thought the Nationals might not trade him and might start this all up again in the offseason. And so if you're the Cardinals and you're involved in these trades and you're talking about, you know, certain players, and you're also talking about those same players, Ben, with the A's about Montas, but there's a possibility the Nats may pull back and take Soto off the market and not trade him. And, and so mm-hmm. if your ownership and you're the front office 
and and I put this to you. Do you try to hold on to the players you have been talking about that you know the Nationals are interested in so that you can make another run at them in the offseason? Or do you go all in for this year? Uh, I would hold those players back. And frankly, I think that's what the Cardinals will do as well. I think there's shades here of what happened with Nolan Arenado. And I don't think we had quite the fervor and the, the detail in the reporting of what happened prior to the offseason where they signed Nolan Arenado. But I, I think it had been pretty widely understood for some time before that, that this is a player the Cardinals were interested in. And so I think those those talks about, you know, is he available? What what might it take? You know, those had had gone on for, you know, probably a good year ahead of that. And and uh, so I think the same thing would happen here. You know, if you've got trade ships, if you've got, and I don't, don't want to just say trade ships because the valuable players, but if you've got a Jordan Walker, a Nolan Gorman, a Mason Wynn, uh, you know, even, uh, uh, you know, anybody else that they, um, you know, Dylan Carlson, anybody else they might be willing to throw in there, and you think that can potentially net you a Juan Soto, well, just because if, if the Nationals were to pull back at this trade deadline, to me, it would be foolish to then say, okay, well, we're going to throw all of those guys into a, a, a deal for a, you know, w- what's available uh, on the pitching side, which we just talked about, is, is not that great. So that's how that's how I would respond. What, what would you say? What would I, you do? It's a it's an interesting uh, kind of quandary to be in because, you know, do you count on them putting him back on the market, or are they going to pull him back and just say, you know what, we're keeping him? And, you know, you may never get him. You may just, your only shot at him may be when he reaches free agency, if he reaches free agency. And so then, you know, did you kind of shortchange the team this year by not adding a pitcher of the caliber that you might have been able to add uh, if you were not also trying to acquire Juan Soto? And so I, I don't know. Well, I don't know would, what I would do. I don't either. But it would be one thing if I felt like there were pitchers on this market that are the kind of pitchers that they would go after in an off season. But I don't really feel that's the case, Ben. I feel like these are kind of like the names that are available. But I don't think any of these pitchers that are available are, are the kind of guys that the club has has highly valued and sought after for a long time. You know, nor really should they be because it's it's a it's a pretty mediocre crop of pitching talent. So um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, yeah, hold on to everybody in, in the hopes that maybe someday you can trade for a Juan Soto. You've got to use those assets somewhere else if, if you can. But um, that doesn't mean blow them on this this crop of pitchers who just are, are pretty unspectacular. Yeah, I, I think that's I. I that's part of my takeaway, I think, from Castillo also is if we're talking about these players for someone the caliber of Juan Soto, like a generational right. talent, and, and no disrespect to Frankie Montas, but... No, but but you're not getting Justin Verlander. You're not getting Garrett Cole. You're not getting a pitcher of the 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 high, high caliber that you could say is somewhat comparable to what you're getting with yeah. Juan Soto. Like Juan Soto is one of, if not the best outfielder in baseball right now. And you're, you, yeah. no one is going to make an argument that uh, anyone who is going to be traded 
uh, between Sunday night and Tuesday early evening is, you know, the best starting pitcher in baseball. Just no one's going to make that argument. Right. Well, unless we get an outsider flyer like the, you know, Carlos Rodon kind of thing that's been speculated about. But, you know, there's a chance. But, yeah, certainly the names that everyone knows are on the table right now are, are yeah, they're not cream of the crop names. No, not at all. And so um, I think that's where I am. I, I think the, the Luis Castillo deal pushed them into the middle of the market. And I think that's where they wanted to be anyway, because I don't think you want to pay these premium prices for the caliber of arms that we know for sure are available. And I also don't know if you want to go, you know, knock the Marlins off their feet for, you know, uh, Lopez or, you know, go uh, blow the Tigers away uh, with an offer because, you know, and it's it's yes. just going to be very interesting to see how the Juan Soto dance plays out, um, because I, I don't think the Cardinals are shopping for pitching uh, with an eye toward getting Soto and pitching. I think that they need to get pitching, and I think that's their priority. But then, oh, Juan yeah. Soto is also available, and you don't have an opportunity to get a guy like him every year but i think the cardinals if juan soto were not on the market i think the cardinals would behave in the exact same way that they're going to likely behave uh at this trade deadline and that's target the middle of the starting pitcher market and try to get a guy who'll give you innings with some upside yeah and one more soto uh, item i wanted to touch on and uh i am going to read a jim bowden tweet here ben and we're gonna we're gonna debate it as if we uh believe it's accurate. So I'm just going to throw that caveat out there, but it's, it's the trade deadline folks. We, this is the kind of thing we do. Uh, Bowden reported that um, uh, the, the Padres Cardinals and the Dodgers are the three teams uh, believed to be um, kind of still in the running for Soto. And the really interesting tidbit that, that he reported here that we haven't necessarily seen elsewhere was that the Cardinals were offering the most talent off their major league club um, and the Padres, the most talent from their farm. I thought that was really interesting, maybe a little surprising. What what did you take away from that? Well, I think it it at first blush it is surprising, and I was too, and I I was very surprised. And then I I thought about it, and it it made a lot of sense to me because of Jeff Jones's report. Nolan Gorman graduated right. to the major league roster. He's a major leaguer, and so if he's in that trade. You know, that is a very talented player that is off of the major league roster. If you have Dylan Carlson potentially involved, you know, he is a talented player off the major league roster. Theoretically, you know, Juan Yepes or Brendan Donovan could be in that discussion as well. They're young players with lots yeah. of control. I It would surprise me, but. No, to, to to me, to me, that that tweet said that Dylan Carlson is. is in- <laughs> I, I think you're probably right. Um, and, and so, uh, it, that is a little bit surprising because they're good players who can help the Cardinals win this year. Um, but I think it shows you that, uh, if you have an opportunity to get a player like Juan Soto, uh, you're, you do that and you have to, yeah. it, it might 
sting a little bit with what you have to give up. But, you know, Dylan Carlson's best case scenario, you know, he's he's not Juan Soto. And, and even Jordan Walker, uh, who I really, really like um, as a prospect and as a player, and he's kind of reached the point where we followed him long enough. There's a little bit of sentimentality there. You know, Jordan Walker is 20 years old, and that's that's young, you know, to ha- be having the success he is having in AA. Uh, entering play on Sunday, he had a 393 weighted on base average at age 20 in AA, which is very good. Well, when Juan Soto was 20, he posted a 394 weighted on base average in Major League Baseball. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it's just it's it is not a knock on Jordan Walker to say that he's he's not the player that Juan Soto is. And so, yeah. uh, you know, if you have to give up a player like him, no matter how high his potential might be, it still is his like 99th percentile achievement is Juan Soto. You know what I mean? It, it And it's highly yeah. unlikely that will happen. And so uh, oh, yeah. so I understand uh, that the Cardinals are going to be giving up names like Dylan Carlson, potentially like Nolan Gorman, potentially, or like Gordon Walker, potentially yeah. because Juan Soto is that good. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the Cardinals four most valuable trade ships are Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, and Mason Wynn. And from all of the reporting of what the, uh, nationals are looking for and especially from kind of some of jeff jones details about maybe what had been in a package the cardinals were talking about i think we would have to expect that if a deal happens three of those names are gone and uh what this suggests to me and it, it's interesting because it does dovetail with what jones reported which was that you know the cardinals were trying to look for an, a, a way to not have to include both walker and win in that so that makes me think that they, you know, it, it, if those are the four guys and it's, you know, three of them are going away, the Cardinals would rather hang on to one of Walker and Wynn um, out of that list, which I, which I find very interesting. Yes. And, and I understand that because, and we talked about this on the last episode, if you kind of look at those profiles, I think those would probably be the players that I would be trying to hang on to as well. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, Dylan Carlson is clearly the best and most valuable of that, of that group, you know, right now, but you're also, if you get Soto, you, you have, uh, just, a you know, you've actually upgraded Carl, you know, uh, your right field spot. So I think that makes trading, uh, Carl, letting Carlson go a lot easier to stomach and, you know, and, and, you know, Gorman as well. I mean, we, we talked earlier, you know, the Cardinals do have some options there kind of in that middle infield. So, again, I think he's an incredibly valuable prospect. Of course, all these guys are, you know, um, and it's a little unusual in a season where you're going for a pennant chase that you're actually trading away some significant value. But I think the Cardinals feel like they can backfill that. And um, and so that makes sense to me. And then you hang on to a Jordan Walker uh, you know, who's, uh, you know, potentially going to be a number one overall prospect in baseball here, um, as well as a Mason Wynn, who is not that far behind. And oh, by the way, is a shortstop. Uh, it, it, I can completely see where those, you know, they would want to hang on to one of those guys in a universe where they had to give up three of those. Four yes, players. totally. Totally agree. 
Um, the the other interesting thing um, about the so-called finalists that can all change with a phone call. So, you know, take it with the appropriate grain of salt, but it's the Dodgers who are like the best run franchise in baseball and also the richest. Um, and so they would probably trade for Soto and sign him to like a 15 year deal. Um, but then there's also the Padres and Ken Rosenthal uh, over the weekend talked about the way uh, Preller views Juan Soto, who he almost signed as, uh, you know, when he w- was coming into major to the majors, uh, signing with an organization. And Rosenthal said that Preller views Soto as his holy grail. And rival executives <laughs> think he will stop at nothing to get him. And I was like, are we, are we talking about uh, baseball or Indiana Jones here? Like, this is like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, and I don't know uh, if I would want to be coming up against Preller or coming potentially between Preller and his Holy Grail. Uh, what, what about you? Well, I tell you what, AJ Preller has the kind of personality that I think he has uh, quite a few Holy Grails, <laughs> I'll be honest. If you remember the scene from uh, Indiana Jones 3 and there's that whole room of Holy Grails, those are all AJ Preller's Holy Grail. Because wasn't Manny Machado a Holy Grail for him? I mean, wasn't, you know, AJ Preller just seems like the kind of guy, you know, there's there's probably, uh, you know, like a, an appetizer on the menu that's his Holy Grail that he's, you know, he's not going to rest until he gets. I think that's just kind of his personality. So, uh, no, I agree with you. It's, it's daunting because he is a, a, an incredibly aggressive GM. And so when you hear that he is really committed to going after a player, you, you know that he's going to, give away everything that he possibly can. And that is daunting. But, you know, my understanding of, of kind of just where they're at, you know, um, you know, the Cardinals do have more potentially. Now, the, the million dollar question is, would the Cardinals, you know, give up enough to stay in that race? But, you know, the Cardinals have really excellent high value prospects, as we just talked about, both guys who are you know, early in their major league careers with a lot of controllable years left, as well as, you know, you know, guys in the upper, upper reaches of the top 100 list. So, you know, um, I think the Cardinals can still, can still be in this if they want, even um, with, uh, you know, AJ Preller's uh, fervor. Um, I'll be honest, in some ways, anytime I hear the Dodgers, that terrifies me even more because I just, I believe the Dodgers just have an infinite fountain of, like amazing prospects that they can just pull from wherever, or they could even just trade guys off their major league team and then somehow fill all those spaces in. And yeah, (laughs) you know, I mean, the resources of the Dodgers, both the uh, knowledge resources and the financial resources, uh, to be honest, terrify me more than AJ Preller does. Yeah. They're the fact that they're lurking uh, to me is very concerning. Um, And I'm very interested to see how it all plays out and um, and what the return is. And, you know, then, of course, we'll all immediately be comparing it, if it's not the Cardinals, to what the Cardinals might have given up. And so uh, it will be very interesting uh, to see what uh, Bill DeWitt has an appetite for and whether the Cardinals uh, will stay in it long enough uh, to get Soto or if the bidding is going to go past uh, what Michael Gersh once famously called their puke point. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we did see uh, a handshake today uh, between Mike Rizzo and John Moseliak. So uh, I have chosen to interpret that to mean that a deal is done, Ben. Uh, and so we'll hopefully find out about it. I, I hope you're right. I, I had the opposite interpretation. I thought it was just two peers in a professional setting exchanging a greeting. Yeah, but you're you're approaching that rationally, whereas I'm going in with a diseased trade deadline brain. <laughs> so. Yes, if it, it does skew the way you you view things, and especially uh, uh, when you're getting all of the chum thrown your way uh, from all the reporters who are chasing all of these rumors. Um, and it's only going to pick up in the days ahead. So remember everyone, uh, double check, make sure it's actually Ken Rosenthal, make sure it is actually Jeff Passan uh, before you retweet or have an over the top reaction, either in frustration or uh, of happiness. Uh, make sure someone's not playing a hoax on you. Uh, with one of those infamous fake accounts that pop up every year. Yep. Look, look for the blue check. Uh, make sure there's no numbers in the name. Um, be, be smart out there, folks. Uh, ben and I will be watching as well um, as these details come through. Um, and again, we are planning um, to be with you uh, with a special, uh, a special non-off day episode um, right around the trade deadline when we do know um, what the Cardinals have done. If we can go live on Tuesday right around the d- deadline, we will and we'll uh, post details about that um, uh, on the, the Twitter account so you can check there. And whether we go live or not, there will be a a recording as well that'll that'll pop up in the podcast feed as soon as we can get it there so uh those uh you guys can look forward hopefully look forward to uh hearing us again soon ben anything else before we wrap it up uh nope uh thanks everyone for listening and until next time go cardinals